<laughs> 鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。Hey, it's Emily. Why we're here? We have a couple of new episodes recorded and are in the editing queue. But meanwhile, I wanted to tell you about a new show we launched recently at Ghost Island Media. It's called Metalhead Politics, a show about music, politics, and Taiwan. Co-hosted by me and Freddie Lim, the rock star politician in Taiwan, lead vocalist of the metal band Thonic, and a member of Parliament here. If you like the Taiwan take, we think you'll really like Metalhead Politics. In fact, Thonic, the band, actually lays music for the show. So here's a recent episode, and don't worry, the Taiwan take will be back with new episodes shortly. Here it is, episode two of Metalhead Politics. Title: Systematic Oppression. I'm Freddie Lim, vocalist of Sonic, a member of Parliament in Taiwan. I'm Emily Waiwu, co-founder of Ghost Island Media. This is Metalhead Politics, our new podcast on some of our favorite things: music, politics, and Taiwan. Metalhead politics. Welcome to the second episode. Hello, new listeners and hi, returnees. Thank you for your really wonderful, kind feedback so far. Freddie, is there anything you want to say to your Thonic fans from around the world? Your band Thonic. Let me see if I can get this right. It's Doris, Danny, Jesse, and CJ, and Freddie. You guys haven't toured the world yet ever since you entered Parliament four years ago. Yeah, so unfortunately, I got reelected earlier this year. Fortunately, actually, but so which means that there will be no tour outside of Taiwan in next four years. So if you really want to come to our show, come to Taiwan, enjoy our show. You can enjoy Taiwan as well. Of course, after the borders are open. In the meantime, we are still doing good music, new stuffs. You will know all our updating information through Metalhead's politics. So if you missed the first episode, go back. There's a section where Freddie talks about how being in politics actually is inspired him to write more metal music. Yes. Okay. So I have a really important warm-up question. How do you do a death growl? That's a question always coming from our fans as well. So this might be the first time I show to our international fans. So first of all, in our music,、uh, I can sing in a Ordinary way, but also I can scream in higher pitch with higher pitch, like yeah, and I can growl like. Our fans knows that we on tour we play shows every day, which means we scream like that, growl like that without running out our voice. Most of the people got it wrong, thought that we scream and growl with all of my strength. From my throat, but that's the wrong way. The first sound is a higher pitch. Yeah. If you were to put a caption to it, what does that mean? Like, what what emotion is that? That will be more like、uh, sad,、oh. sad feelings and uh, frustrate. Uh, the growling voice will be more about anger. Okay, so the sad is. Do it again. <laughs> so exhilarating. Okay, angry. <laughs> 
So, don't try that at home. <laughs> Or right. yeah, you gotta. Okay, teach me so I can so impress when, my friends. <laughs> so when you do the death growl, put your hands on your tummy. Try to growl with your tummy expanding, <laughs> not contracting. <gasps> Normally, you will your stomach will be contracting. Then uh-huh. you use your muscles and your throat too much, and it, your voice will gonna be run out very soon. So it's a very deep. <gasps> yes. But that's too much throat. Yes. <gasps> <laughs> that's the same way with ordinary singing as well. When you are in karaoke. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's stop. <laughs> Now your voice is warmed up. What is, what is excitement? What is excitement? No, this kind of music always very sad or angry. So, excitement. No, you know these days I try to think if there are happy songs in metal or maybe there is happy songs in Viking metal. That's a genre called Viking metal in、uh, Scandinavia. There are some drinking songs, party songs, sounds very happy. But that's not the happy song that I want to share with my daughter. Does she like, like、no. metal yet? Uh, she. I try to balance her. When she enjoy too much Disney, then I play some metal for her to balance her taste. There you go. All right, I'd like to meet her in like three years and see what happens. <laughs> All right. Okay. So yeah, we can go to the topic. A hell of a month for the world,、mm. but before we dive into the fire, let's get some good news from Taiwan.、Mm. Okay, so adultery is finally decriminalized. Yes. So for the longest time, Taiwan was actually one of the last industrialized countries in the world where it's still illegal to commit adultery. But on May 29th, the court decided that what two adults do inside or outside a marriage is none of the state's business. Yes. So imagine that we are the first country in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage, but we might be one of the last to decriminalize adultery. So this law, the the overturn of this law, is really important in Taiwan because actually about seventy to eighty percent of Taiwanese still agreed with the law,、um, and there was a huge industry of private detectives whose jobs are only to find direct evidences of cheating. Which means catching you in the act of. This is hugely intrusive, but it's a <laughs> m- massive industry. In Taiwan, we call it liagao, which means catching monkeys. And you mentioned、uh, same-sex marriage, so I wanted to backtrack a little bit to give context. This ruling was was made by the Constitutional Court in Taiwan. Yes. And three years ago, in 2017, this same court decided that it was against the Constitution to restrict marriage for same-sex couples. So anyway, I'm very happy because at least we fixed this before North Korea did. So <laughs> <laughs> because, like I said, we are one of the last in Asia to decriminalize adultery. So good, good job. Cool. 
<laughs> okay. Item number two today on Taiwanese miracles this month. Another one. For the first time in Taiwan's democratic history, a mayor has been ousted by his voters. On June 6, former Kaohsiung mayor Han Guoyu was recalled. This made a lot of people very happy. Me. This was important because this is the same person who ran against President Tsai during the most recent national election. He ran on a heavily pro-China platform, and it was set to have received a lot of help from China for both his mayoral campaign in 2018 and then his following presidential bid in 2019. Aside from the China connection, I think what really angered people was that he left City Hall in just four months. Yeah, imagine that he left political arena for more than 15 years. And then suddenly he came back around for Kaohsiung mayor and he got elected. But then he just leave Kaohsiung and run for president in like three or four months. I can imagine that the people in Kaohsiung got pissed. Yeah, so actually Kaohsiung has a really interesting history, right? Yes. Um, so Kaohsiung has traditionally been the DPP stronghold. It's the place of the Kaohsiung incident of the 1979, which is a defining moment in the democratization of Taiwan when during martial law. But when Han Guori came to challenge DPP in 2018 and said, you've left this city to rot. So he promised, promised growth, he promised money. He actually had a hat that said, make Kaohsiung great again. There's a lot of expectations. And so when he left City Hall in just four months. When we are saying he left, it doesn't mean he left the position. He is still the mayor. He just left and focused on running for president. Yeah, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> I think Taiwan practiced our democracy to another level. Especially we know that the organizers and the volunteers of this campaign to record him are young people. So I think it's a good sign that the young people show the strength to participate in democracy more, to get involved in politics more. And we can vote a person we like. We can also record him when we think he doesn't fit the position. So I think it's a very good sign. And the best thing is that we reject a pro-China populist mayor. Um, I want to talk more about Kaohsiung because I know that you actually organized a music festival there. So Kaohsiung, it's, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a port city of about 2.8 million people in the southern tip of Taiwan. It's Taiwan's third most populous. It's a huge port city. So at its peak in 1999, it was actually the third busiest port, not just in Asia, but in the world, just behind Singapore and Hong Kong. But today it's ranked number 15. And I think there's a lot of talks and policies on kind of how to bring back the once thriving port. It's a sister city to other port cities like Panama City and uh, Pusan in Korea. Mm. It's basically always sunny in Kaohsiung. And yes. if you come to Taiwan and you head out to Kanding, it's most of the time a stopover on your way to the beautiful resort town of Kanding. I think most of the fans are very familiar with our song Takao. Takao is an old name of Kaohsiung city. Me and my colleagues in the music industry, we organized a Megaport Festival like more than 10 years ago, and it's still one of the biggest festivals uh, in Taiwan. I have strong feeling connections with Kaohsiung, and we hope that Kaohsiung to be better. And it's really a good sign to see that the Kaohsiung people show their strength. Let's move into the topic of the day. Uh, the second stop. I thought that was the topic of the day. Oh, that was just a warm up. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it.
second stop on Metalhead Politics Tour. Last time we talked about democracy in times of crisis. And today? Racism. Racism and systematic oppression. So starting from the U.S. and in many pockets of the world, we're paying attention to problems of police brutality, racism against blacks, history of slave trades, and continual systematic racism. Mm. I have been Amnesty International Taiwan Sessions chairman. So that, that was 2010 to 2014. 2010 to 2014. So I, I have a lot of friends who are human rights activists. And also I have a lot of friends who are in music industry, of course. So I can see that they all support uh, Black Lives Matter. I follow the situation quite a lot. So I, I'm, I'm with you and I can feel your anger and I totally feel the weight of this systematic oppression. I know that those police who were involved in killing George Floyd, I think they, are, they have been charged. And also they are breaking up Minneapolis Police Department. So I, I can see some improve. But furthermore, I think the world not just care about this incident only, but also the systematic oppression a lot. Why this kind of incident happened? And, and not just domestic, but also globally, where, what kind of system oppression are there around the world? So I think it's a good thing that more and more people focus on the racism and how to fix this systematic oppression. And I hope that this can also channel your focus to what's happening in Hong Kong, because this police brutality is not happening in the U.S. or the West only. Yeah, I think as we stand in solidarity with what's happening in the States, I think it's also an opportunity for us to look around us to reflect and say, how are we the same perpetrators of a different racism? Um, and you just mentioned Hong Kong just a little bit. And so it's Hong Kong, it's Xinjiang, it's Tibet. Um, and I think with open discussions like this on a global scale, it's also made the U.S. very vulnerable to criticisms from everybody, of course, but also hypocritical criticisms from China, mm. uh, very advanced human rights offenders, <laughs> and very advanced systematic oppressors. Yeah, it's, it's not like a competition, but actually the human rights violations and systematic oppressions and uh, police brutality in China or places controlled by China is another high level. And in Xinjiang, there are even concentration camps. So it's an estimated one million of the ethnic population that have been rounded up in these concentration camps. Um, they call them re-education camps. I don't want to call them re-education camps. Right. That's concentration camp. There was a set of leaked documents that came out in uh, November 2019. Uh, it's basically a playbook um, for the CCP on how to round people up. What do you tell them to, to give them pressure? And within it, there was a section that described their religion as a virus that needed to be eradicated. I think one of the major differences, though, is that in an authoritarian state, this police brutality is... A directive from the states. It's a very clear top-down directive from the country. Whereas in the states, there is a lot of problems culturally, historically, systematically. One of the solutions, you tackle this one by one, dismantling the police force. In China, you cannot do that. Will you dismantle the, the Communist Party? Why I say it's a whole another level, because the system is so obvious there. There is no way that you can say anything because you don't have your freedom of speech. You don't have your freedom to protest. And you can't even share hashtags on your Twitter or on your Facebook to try to improve the system. When police brutality happened in China, 
the police not got charged, but got encouraged and glorified. And the people who protest against the police or the people who show their attitudes, they got arrested, they got beaten up more. Some of the people in Hong Kong, they got suicided. They've been suicided by the police. So more you want to say, more you want to improve the system. You want to fix the system, then the system come to fix you. That's what happened in Hong Kong and in China, in Tibet and in Xinjiang. That's why I think that the people who are with Black Lives Matter should also concern about these issues in these places because they can't say anything for themselves. So the world needs to help them to speak out their rights, to try to, to warn Chinese government. Um, let's turn to Hong Kong, equally depressing, mm. where one year ago, on June 9th, one million people came out in protest against a proposed extradition law that would have given China a blank check to arrest anyone in Hong Kong to bring to China. These protests later on happened just about every weekend or every day at lunchtime, even through COVID. Mm. Uh, and now China has given Hong Kong and the world more reasons to be angry. So in May, the National People's Congress up in Beijing it's a legislative body of nearly 3,000 people. They voted for a proposed national security law for Hong Kong. Um, there's been a lot of really good media write-ups about this, and so we won't get into the details here. But the main thing to know is that this essentially is the end of one country, two systems, a setup that China had promised Hong Kong at least until 2047. So obviously, this has angered a lot of residents, and with anger comes protest. And in Hong Kong, um, the police have also increased the level of violence on protesters. Yeah, so I think Hong Kong is on the road to be next Tibet or Xinjiang. I think many people have been in Hong Kong, like a westernized, modernized city. But uh, now they are losing their freedom of speech, losing their freedom to protest. And also now there are more and more laws that proposed from Chinese government to control Hong Kong more. And even the medias are controlled by Chinese government mostly. And those medias are glorifying the police, beating up people, shot people, or make people be suicided. That's something we never thought that will happen in a city like Hong Kong, because it's an international city. Uh, we feel like we can feel the same freedom that we have, we share in other parts of the world, but now they are losing their freedom. Global leaders have also spoken out against this. Um, for example, Boris Johnson has said that the UK would, would welcome three million Hong Kongers. Not just the British government, other parts of the world, other countries, other governments try to come up with some plans to help Hong Kong. Uh, in Taiwan, we are doing this as well. We try to help Hong Kong activists came to Taiwan after the anti-extradition law protest last year. And countries around the world try to work together to find a better way to help Hong Kong. But... We need support from citizens as well, not just the governments. People in different countries need to support all these actions. Can you give an update on what Taiwan's Thai administration is planning to welcome Hong Kong? Because traditionally, we never had a refugee law. Mm. Uh, now the government tried to improve the whole uh, mechanism to help the Hong Kong people because those Hong Kong activists came to Taiwan after the protest last year. 
first of all, they didn't really have a concrete plan about what they want to do in Taiwan. So some of them, they will look for jobs here now, or some will want to continue their schools. And some didn't apply their visa properly. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are different levels of things need to be fixed. Now we have Taiwan Parliamentary Group for Hong Kong. So we work with the government to try to improve the whole systems here. Uh -huh. Is this to create new laws for Hong Kong or is this to help them navigate through existing laws? Uh, so far as I know, I think it will be just implementation in administrative level. But if there is needs that... So that just means helping them to get work visas, helping them to get gold visas, for example. Yeah, and also the rules about applying schools and uh, get jobs are quite complicated. So how to make more friendly, to let them join Taiwan society with friendly way. Uh, of course, for me, I would think if we fix all these problems, we'd amend some laws right now mm -hmm. uh, in the parliament. It would be a good way as well, especially that would be a way that we can take care of all the refugees from different parts of the world. Because now in Taiwan, there are not just refugees from Hong Kong. I have been dealing with some uh, Tibetan refugees' cases as well. So currently, Taiwan does take refugees, but it's on a case-by-case -case yeah. level, right? You yeah. apply case-by-case. -case. There's no one refugee law. No. Yeah. Okay, definitely development will be watching closely. Yes. So what, what I mean is that there, I know there are a lot of politicians or uh, congressmen uh, or, or the government, governmental officials in different countries who care about the Hong Kong issue and who want to support Hong Kong people. But the generally public supports are very important as well. And I can, I, when, I, when I see so many people who join the Black Lives Matter campaign, I can see the compassion uh, in all these people. And I think, I, think, I, I believe that uh, Hong Kong will get supports around the world. Um, and uh, sticking with Hong Kong, just one last point, one thing to highlight is culture. Yeah, it's just like, just like uh, I'm not always want to compare this, but just like when we are talking about Black Lives Matter, it's not just an incident or not just talking about the uh, police brutality, but the whole systematic oppression. And what China is doing in Hong Kong right now, it's also systematic oppression as well. They try to wipe out their culture, wipe out their language. They try to uh, replace their uh, mother tongue because uh, in Hong Kong, they speak Cantonese and English. But now uh, Mandarin will be the first one uh, in the uh, government, in schools. So the, the children in Hong Kong, they force the children in Hong Kong don't speak uh, their mother tongue anymore. So that's something happened in Taiwan before. And now it's happening in Hong Kong. So they try to replace their own identity. So anyway, I'm going to introduce, uh, if you got pissed, if you are angry, then you should listen to this band, this hip hop group. So let's play some music to represent Hong Kong spirit. Let's hear some Hong Kong spirit. Yeah. So LMF, Da Ran Tang. Can we say lazy motherfucker? Yeah. That's... You just did. <laughs> this LMF is a hip hop group 
with more than 10 members. So they mixed with different genres of music. So you can hear metal riffs in their song as well. And they show their anger. They show the people in Hong Kong's spirits. And also they came to Taiwan, played a couple of times, invited by me. And also they came to Taiwan to cooperate with Beastie Boys. Yeah, in 2003, playing Tibetan Freedom Concert. So they have yeah. strong connections with Taiwan and Tibet. They are very popular in, in Hong Kong. So I want to play that for my international fans to learn about them. Uh, check it out. All right, so it's the band Da Lan Tang, LMF, Lazy Motherfucker. So it's their song, Century of Evil, from 2014. It's about speaking up and not staying silent. Welcome back. It's Freddie Lim and Emily Waiwu here at Metalhead Politics. At the first top half of the show, I learned how to do a death growl, and I'll have to keep practicing. Um, now for the second half, we're going to talk about how racist we are as Taiwanese. I think we are very racist. <laughs> uh, we talk about systematic oppressions in other parts of the world. So let's mm -hmm. see what's going on in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. The first time I learned about the idea of racism was when my grandmom called our migrant helper mm. and my indigenous classmate, Huana. Huana means savages. Yeah. I remember that I, I told her that they got names. Why don't you call their names? Why call them something else? Oh, she called both. Yeah, Huana. yeah, yeah. She called the migrant helper Huana and also called my classmate. And they are from different groups of people. So why do you call them that term? I didn't really realize what term that was because I was a kid. But I, I feel like it's something wrong there. Although I know that people might feel like 
the racism is not that serious in Taiwan. We are not using the term Huana anymore now, but actually the systematic oppression behind that term is not totally, uh, not gone yet. Uh, I think a lot of how we are racist, it's really built into the language we speak. Like I said, although we don't use the term Huana anymore, but actually the indigenous people's life expectancy is still 10 years less than the average Taiwanese citizens. So mm. what I want to say is that the people might not notice that they still suffer from unfair system in different parts of the society. I think the situation in Taiwan is quite complicated because mm. even, mm-hmm. uh, even the Han people in Taiwan have indigenous descent. Like myself, I have my indigenous root from my mother's side. So it's very complicated, but if you look closer into details, you can find some evidence that they still live under unfair system. Mm-hmm. So statistically, it's 2% of the Taiwanese population um, are of indigenous peoples, which is uh, made up of 15 or 16 different groups now. Mm. Historically... For Taiwanese, we talk about the suppressions that we received from the KMT. They're kind of even at the bottom of it, victim of racism from Taiwanese. Uh, like my grandmom. Mm. My grandmom and grandfather, who are very against KMT. Mm-hmm. But they were born in Taiwan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they looked down to the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. They didn't really realize that what you suffer from the KMT regime, mm-hmm. you shouldn't put the same pressure to other people. Um, so for Taiwan, like the states, there's affirmative action. But I think that's why some of the Taiwanese citizens feel like, oh, it's not like the old days anymore because we add their grades, we try to support them with different ways. But actually, they are losing their basic rights. They can't really use their own names on IDs, uh, many official papers. The governmental system say, no, our computer, our system cannot do that. So you need to fill your indigenous names with Chinese character. Right. And they say, no, 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 my name's spelled with... Romanization, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's basic rights. We try to add their grades, try to give them supports with maybe something they don't really need. What they want just be themselves. They want to speak their languages. They want to write their own words. And there's been a revival of indigenous traditional languages in the same way that um, there's been an attempt to bring back Taiwanese, Hakka. Yeah, and there are some unequal parts in the constitutional level as well. In the other hand, it's like to the migrant workers, the people in Taiwan now still discriminate against uh, migrant workers for their skin colors, Mm -hmm. their languages, Mm -hmm. marking their funny English accent. But actually... Taiwanese people, we can't really speak English like the Westerners. So we have the funny accent. Why you laugh at migrant workers funny? I think Taiwanese people suffer from systematic oppressions, mm-hmm. but also oppress others. And it's something that we really need to be open-minded to others and also to, to expect each other. I think that's... Yeah, especially when the face of the nation is changing so quickly, mm. right? Um, it's not just migrant workers, but also the new immigrants, yeah. a lot of them from Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah we have helped some cases that uh, new immigrants and their families, their children suffer from discrimination in schools, in neighborhoods. And so that's something uh, I think is still happening everywhere, actually, in Taiwan. We, we are not that advanced, not that No, no, we're progressive. not. We just don't talk about it. We just say, right? Just like, oh, it's ugly. Let's not talk about it. But your class um, of everybody who got elected 
Wasn't there also somebody else who was a new immigrant herself? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last term. I think just like Emily said, there are high percentage of new immigrant families in Taiwan right now. So district legislators like me, we always have to deal with a lot of discrimination cases to mm-hmm. help those families. Mm-hmm. So those not familiar with the voting process for legislatures. Um, so you have a couple of words you've used back there. One is district legislature. Voters in your district voted you in. Yeah. And then there's another list was called the at-large list, yeah. which is nominated by Parties. Parties. Political parties. Yeah. So all of us, when we vote for our district representative, we also vote for a party. Yeah. And then that percentage of votes each party gets then determines how many of the at-large seats they get. The 2% of the indigenous communities, they actually have preserved seats for them. Yeah. Six seats out of the 113 yeah. seats in the legislature. Yeah. But there's something... Yeah. So there is another systematic... Buck. While the protected seats are good theoretically, but in practice, what it means that they cannot yeah, run in they, other districts. Yeah, which means the indigenous people in my district, they can't vote for me or uh-huh. they can't run for parliament in my district. Uh-huh. So which means we limit their seats. The most you get is six seats. So not like the other groups of people in Taiwan, Hakas or uh, Hororang or other groups. Uh, no, the indigenous people in Taiwan can only run for six seats. So, yeah, so anyway, I, what I want to say is that although we live in free country, mm-hmm. uh, in a democracy right now, but mm-hmm. actually there are a lot of things that, that we need to improve. So we're talking about the systematic oppression that we didn't self-aware. So that's something connect to my music as well. Yes. Yeah. I can remember that 10 years ago, I think back in 2010 or 11, there was a German critic asked me, since my music mixed with Taiwanese elements, Taiwanese languages, why Taiwan there is only Thonic and there is not so many bands after Thonic to write songs uh, with the same ideas. Normally in the music industry, there are always new genres happen in the world, in different corners of the world, because people realize that the local elements are not owned by one band or by one artist. When one artist discovers that they can mix local elements with the modern music, then that's a good thing and there will be followers, of mm-hmm. course. Then the new genres come out. But why Taiwan there is no this trend. I was. I, I mean, I can think of four bands, modern bands that have sung some in Taiwanese. That's yeah. not a lot. But what I mean is not just linguistic, but also melody. Okay, so so in the last so episode, think, we talked about what is yeah. what is Freddie and Thonic music. Yeah. So now is how do you create yeah. Freddie and Thonic music? Okay. So I know that you can you read some parts of of the lyrics, Malinia Faith on Dance lyrics, right? In Taiwanese? No, 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 no. Just <laughs> okay. in English. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I will. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Part. All right. I like this demo from Freddie. Oh, now I need to show you how I write my song, how I write my melodies. Okay. Millennia's Faith Undone. What year is this from? 2018. Okay. Yeah. Gods bestow your grace. Protect the one, the aeons wraith. Guard his life and alter fate. Unto the seams he falls, 
faded dreams call. That's the chorus part of the song. The melody behind the lyrics is like. I think the fans might feel like, wow, that kind of melody is not Western kind of melodies. Actually, it's come from the Taiwanese language. I always write songs, our melodies. With the Taiwanese lyrics together, so、mm-hmm. the Taiwanese lyrics is "Bang Tian Ya Bobi, Bobi He De Lang, Wan Ba Ni Bang, Bian Sen Si, Huan Hua Wen Mia, Yu Wan Bu Hok Ban Gap, Gam Gong Ba Ni Kang." So Taiwanese language is with eight tones. It's a melodic language. Then when I write Taiwanese lyrics with the melody. Then the melody naturally come out. It becomes like Bang Tian Ya Bobi Bobi He De Lang Wan Ba Ni Bang Bian Sen Si Huan Hua Wen Mia Yu Guan Bu Hok Ban Jia Gam Gong Ba Ni Kang. Then we keep that melody and rewrite the English lyrics. So the our English fans or international critics. They are curious about where the melodies come from. Actually, that kind of unique melodies come from Taiwanese.、Mm-hmm. So that's why we can write something unique that the、mm. Western metal has. They cannot. But that's where the German critics. Then where's the next sonic? Yeah. Why there, there should be a bunch of metal bands use the same technique or use the same inspiration? Because Taiwanese is not my language, but our language in Taiwan. So there should be a lot of metalheads, metal kids who、mm. can write unique melodies with our mother tongue. But why not? Because I think we are still under systematic oppressions that we didn't realize, we didn't self-aware、mm-hmm. that something wrong before that kind of systematic box are still in our society right now. So that's quite the same point. I feel like I need to do more in politics because. We need to fix that、mm. because in other countries they embrace their own culture and use that as unique part to compete with the other parts of the world to show their beauty, arts or music. But in Taiwan, in a unnormal country like Taiwan, although we we live in a democracy, we live in a free world, we are still try to fix a lot of bugs that has been in this society for a long, long time, but not fixed yet. What do other metal bands here write about? There is a metal band called Flesh Juicer, 血肉果汁机 Flesh,、yeah. Flesh Juicer. Juicer.、Mm. Yeah, they write melodies with Taiwanese taste as well. And I have shared my ideas to、uh, young metal kids as well. So some of them, I know that they try to come up with some new ideas and、mm. to、uh, mix with the Taiwanese elements with Taiwanese ideas. But ten years ago, they,、mm. it's very difficult for me to. Discuss with young metal kids when they ask me how we can be like Sonic. We want to write your kinds of music. We want to tour the world like you. Then I told them that start listen to what your grandparents listen. Start remember what you have been through, what you learned when you were very young. All those lyrics, all those melodies that came into my mind、mm-hmm. were when I was very young and watched Taiwanese opera with my families,、mm-hmm. and those things are our roots. 
I think last time you talked about how you you grew up with your grandma and you used to at the time you spoke perfect Taiwanese, and then there was a point where you didn't speak it anymore, mm. and then you actively try to get it back, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I went through the same thing where growing up, my grandmother lived with us, and her caretaker spoke only Taiwanese. Mm. So my Taiwanese was so good; it was better than my Mandarin. But at some point, you go to school yeah. and you're taught that Taiwanese is a language of the truckers. You shouldn't speak it. And you start to get very ashamed of this language and this culture. And then yeah. you reject it. And then all of a sudden, you didn't speak it anymore. So we, uh, we don't got fined to speak Taiwanese in schools anymore. But the culture the, to look down Taiwanese is still there. Even when I can speak Taiwanese fluently after self-aware, I still feel like to have those kind of inspirations connect to Taiwanese languages are corny, cheesy. When I started Thonic, I didn't really realize that I still look down to this culture. So I, uh, so I grew up here and I left for the States. And in high school, I was in class with a lot of Taiwanese students. The high school I went to in Massachusetts had a very large population of Taiwanese students. Everybody came with different identities, and there were some who spoke very good Taiwanese. And there were Taiwanese-Americans who only spoke Taiwanese and not Mandarin. And I think it was then when I realized, like, wait, this is something that's actually quite unique about us, and that I, I maybe I could attempt to try to get it back. This was something that set us apart from the Hong Kong kids, from the Chinese kids, from the Korean kids, Japanese kids. My Taiwanese is still not good now. I try to speak it sometimes, but it, it's quite bad. But you're actually quite funny. Your Facebook posts, they all come in Taiwanese writing, and then you'll write Mandarin translations underneath it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do that because I teach my daughter Taiwanese mainly. So I try to keep all the funny conversations. So I write Taiwanese to keep all the conversations and on my Facebook. Are there enough children's songs in Taiwanese that you sing uh, to your daughter? There's a lot of yeah, really, yeah. really beautiful um, old, folk songs yeah, in Taiwanese. Folk songs. So I taught her like Diamaga and like the Diamaga. Diamaga is a yeah, that's one of the folk songs that I always sing to my daughter. So it translates roughly to... Yeah, that's your... Asphaltar stuck on my foot. Where's dad? Call daddy and let's buy some pig feet. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it rhymes in Taiwanese. Yeah. Let's do the pig feet and stew it and eat it. The child is drooling. <laughs> There are a lot of uh, Taiwanese folk songs with funny meanings. So I, I try to pass all this I learned from my parents and my grandparents to my children as well. Do you write any? No, too difficult for me. You write metal, but yeah. children's songs are too difficult Too for you. difficult. So I sing my song to my daughter. Um, okay, so what are we going to hear today? Let's just play uh, Malinia's Fate Undone. Okay, yeah. okay, from 2018. What is it about? It's a very complicated story, but what I want to say is that that's the same time when uh, my daughter was born. It's a song about Taiwanese history. It's a, it's a song about our values, but also there is a lot of emotions between me and my daughter. That's nice. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> okay, and with that, uh, we'll do the sign-off. I'm Emily Waiwu. I'm Freddie Lim. Thank you for listening to Meadowhead Politics. 
a co-production of Thonic and Ghost Island Media and a Madog Solutions project. Subscribe on all podcast apps, especially Pocket Cast and Castro. These two apps, they were just taken off of Apple Store in China in early June because they refused to censor on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. Tell your metalhead friends, politics junkies, and Taiwan lovers about the show. Look us up on social media. Our Twitters are at ThonicTW, at Freddie Lim with an M, at Emily Waiwu, and at Ghost Island Me. Look up Ghost Island Media for other shows about Taiwan. And if you listen to Mandarin and you want to hear more from Freddie, he hosts... If you want to hear more about politics. (laughs) He hosts a weekly Facebook Live conversation with other politicians in Taiwan. What is it called? And here it is. Melinia's Faith Undone from our 2018 album Battlefields of Asura. Bye. See you next time.